Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. Good morning. Uh, Today's passage is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, hang on. Nope. Hang on. I got it. Page turn. Page turn. There we go. It's all right. That's all right. (laughs) I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, We just thank you um, that you have have called us together and formed us by by your words, that you have spoken to us um, through the Bible. Um, and, And Lord, we thank you that we can know who you are. Uh, we can know who we are um, by, by simply opening um, your word um, and, and committing ourselves to, 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 to glorifying you through just taking it in. And, and so, Lord, we, just, we, we, we profess that individually, but, Lord, even as a church this morning, corporately, we, we acknowledge that um, you, have, you have called for yourself together a people um, and that when we sit um, under the reading and the teaching of your word, Lord, that you, you do something in our hearts, you do something in our minds, and you form us. Um, and so, Lord, would you help us to be attentive today? Um, would, you, would you teach us from your word um, what it is that you know that we ought to know? And, and would you help us to become the things that you are calling us to be um, in this? And, and Lord, may we ultimately um, and, and primarily rely not on our own works, not on our own righteousness, uh, but the righteousness that uh, we learn of in the gospel, um, that Jesus Christ himself uh, became a man, dwelt among us, um, and, and, um, and, and made a way for us to, to worship you through the sacrifice that um, he made on the cross, through the righteous life that he lived, um, and through, through ultimately his resurrection. Um, so, Lord, we are a people today because of a resurrection. We are a resurrection people, and we thank you um, that you um, have sent your son to live within all of us. We thank you for loving us, and we thank you for our time together today. In your name, amen. 
Hey, uh, I'm going to invite the Schoenigs and Rachel. Y'all can have a seat uh, just to come up here. Um, the Schoenigs and Rachel Peck both went through our most recent covenant membership class. And when we did our family Sunday, yeah, just wherever, you know, uh, come up here, come up here, come up, stand beside me. Um, when we did our most recent family Sunday, uh, they, they bailed. They were just like, no, we're not. We want our own Sunday. We just want, we don't want to be up there with everybody else. We want our own day. So no, I'm just kidding. Um, and so, hey, Chris and Katie Schunig, and of course, baby Aiken. Um, and then this is Rachel Peck. Um, they have, they've just come and, and said, hey, we, we want to join with this church. Uh, we want to, to know um, who our family is, and we want our family to know who we are. Um, and this is just a way um, that, that we, we acknowledge that, and then we say, hey, the Lord is forming for himself a people um, to not live isolated lives, but to live in community with one another. Um, and so this is just one of the ways that we do that. And so they have both been through membership um, class and, and we have had conversations with them about uh, their, their baptisms and their faith in Christ and, um, and ultimately their desire to, to follow the Lord um, in, in all of life, uh, but even just in uniting with our church. And so there's, there's kind of four things that when they, when they uh, make a desire to unite with, with our church, we just say, hey, will you do these things? And so I'm just gonna read these four things. Y'all have seen them before. We've talked about them before. It's nothing surprise. We haven't added anything in there. Uh, but it's basically this. I will protect the unity of my church. I will share in the responsibility of my church. I will serve the ministry of my church and I will support the testimony of my church. Have you all covenanted with us as a body to these things? Amen. Amen. Yes, I will. Yes, sir. So, hey, this is just, again, um, church, this is an opportunity for us to also covenant to them, uh, to one another. Um, Hey, someone should be speaking into your life. Um, someone should have the ability um, to, to come into your life and just say, hey, um, can we walk together as disciples? Can we disciple them? So church, this is who we are responsible to, um, specifically. Uh, we are responsible to, to more, I believe, but specifically and explicitly to, to these. And so church, will you covenant to uh, walk with these families in discipleship, to pray for them, to support them, to love them, to, to um, correct when needed, but to, but to encourage more often? Uh, will you covenant to that church family? Yes. All right. Well, I want to pray for you guys and, and welcome you guys into Grace Harbor, and let's, let's do that. Father, thank you so much for, um, again, just the, the, the way that you bring people together from all different walks of life, um, all different kinds of backgrounds. Um, Lord, whether, whether that be people who, who have no background in church or, or grew up in church, um, Lord, you have brought people together because you have saved them first and foremost. You have regenerated their hearts. They have walked from death into life, um, into a relationship with you. Thank you also that you um, put us into a relationship with one another. Um, and thank you for, for these who have come this morning, um, who just said, I, I just wish to unite with, with a local body of believers. Um, and, and Lord, I pray for them um, in, their, in their walk and in their ever-growing relationship with you. And I pray for us as a church um, that we would um, take the responsibility of the, the responsibility and the privilege of being part of a of a, a gospel a family birthed out of the gospel that we would take that calling seriously um, and and Lord that we would do everything we can to pursue faith and love 
um, and peace with one another, along with those who call themselves children of God. Um, and so we thank you for that. We pray that you would bless us in, um, in all that we do that, that is, that is um, in, an, in, a, in, in an effort to, to, to love you and serve you more faithfully. Um, we love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. This morning, uh, obviously, as, as you could tell from the text, someone is getting married in here this morning, right? I'm just kidding. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Um, we have Bibles for you. Um, there's, a, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you. Um, and the cool thing is, is that the page numbers coincide with the Bible that I'm reading from. And so we're on page 959 in those Bibles. Um, and and uh, contrary to uh, common odd behavior, uh, not odd, it's not odd, but contrary to, to normal behavior, no, no one's getting married in here this morning. I had this passage read at my wedding. Anybody else? Did anybody else have this passage read at their wedding that you remember? Awesome. It's, a, it's obviously a beautiful and lovely and, and great passage. And sure, read it at your weddings, all those things. We'll, we'll do those things. But here's what I want you to see today. This chapter, this text, guess, what, guess who is the target audience? A local church, a, a people. Um, and so, no, we're not marrying each other today or anything like that. Um, but what I want us to see is that this text was, was, was birthed um, out of some very real things that were going on with some real people in a real place and real history. Um, and it was in the context of a community of faith. First Corinthians, you can, you can study like the, the, the origin of the book and see kind of some of the history of it. Some people would say, hey, this was written to kind of like a region of local churches um, throughout Corinth. Uh, but, but I think it's right and it's okay and it's good for us to understand this and apply this as a local body of believers. And so here's where we're going today. As you've been with us the last few weeks, we've, we've kind of been talking about what this redemptive community looks like. What does it look like to live redemptively as a community of faith in the world? Um, and so we have spent the last couple of weeks looking at basically what the perfect redemptive community would look like, right? The perfect church. And so what this week is, is kind of a shift for us looking at, okay, uh, there's, 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 there's problems. There's, there's things that we have to address that even though the early church in the book of Acts started so strong, eventually when you just get a bunch of imperfect people around each other, eventually something goes wonky, right? Something goes haywire. And so here's kind of what, what makes this a unique challenge for us today. I've, I've spoken with, with pastors much older and much more experienced than me that have been in ministry for a really long time that have attested to the reality of the difficulty of pastoring and shepherding people, and specifically in today's climate. Um, March of 2020 is like a, a, a day that in so many of our minds, whether you're a pastor or not, especially if those of you who are like in the medical field, like you'll just remember that season of life. And so I've talked with other pastors that have just said, hey, and, and, and it's not just sickness and illness, it's the political climate, it's the social climate, it's, it's, it's everything that has gone on over the last year. And I've talked to other people like, am I crazy for thinking this is really hard or are things gonna get more difficult? And the more and more people that I talk to, they say, no, this is actually the most challenging season we've experienced too. 
and there are people who've been at this for a lot longer than I have. And so I have felt some of these challenges. And, and like I said, I haven't felt that I have the place every time to speak about how hard things are, uh, but have gladly been validated in some of my feelings towards these challenges. And so something that the Lord really put on my heart this week as I was preparing for this, which if you kind of knew the, the wrestling that I've done with this text um, over the last week, you, this will make a little bit more sense. But um, the short version is, is this sermon has changed like three or four times, um, how, how I communicate it to our people. Um, and so something that the Lord has really just kind of spoke to me on this week, not like in this like weird way, but just, just as I sought the Lord and like, okay, how do I shepherd our people through a passage and through a topic like this? Um, this is kind of what, what I, I, I came to conclude. And, and it's this, I, I certainly think that there is a time to very passionately and, and very maybe even uh, boldly and, and even just as a prophet would, would, would speak to the people of God, there's a time for um, a pastor to speak passionately and boldly and prophetically in regards to division within the church. Like I, like I think that there's moments throughout, there's probably moments in, in our future as a church that, hey, we're gonna have to like address division in, in our church. There's times where we need rebuke and admonishment in in division. There's times where, where that's what we need. I mean, Paul says that in 2 Timothy. Hey, like, there's, here's some different aspects of ways that you need to uh, shepherd your people. You need to encourage them. Sometimes you need to rebuke them. Sometimes you need to, to admonish. Sometimes you need to, to just build them up. Sometimes you need to, to speak specifically in a, re, in a rebuke towards a certain behavior. But church, I believe that where we are right now, hey, when I started this sermon, man, I just was like writing like crazy. I was like, man, I'm gonna tell them about all, we're not, we're not doing this and we're not doing this. And then I just was like, you know what? I just need to like take a chill pill. I need to calm down a little bit because I believe where we are right now, if I can encourage us, I believe where we are right now is in a season of just God-given cooperation with one another, um, I, I think that we're in a season of excitement as a church, just like, hey, what's the Lord gonna do? Um, you know, like, I, I don't wanna like, we're not playing off of that like in a huge way. We're not leveraging all of those things, but, but I do. I just, I feel like as a church, we're kind of in this season of cooperation with one another. Um, there's also like this constant thing in the back of my mind, like how fragile is that, you know? Um, how fragile is, is this excitement and cooperation, which is why, we don't only speak of division reactively, we must speak towards it proactively. We must look at the word of God and let the word of God disciple us and, and, and not only preach out of, out of response to something, but, but preach out of a, a, a way that we want to prepare ourselves as the people of God. Because, hey, what happens when we get into community with one another and we find out that the person next to us, we really don't like that much. And so we have to speak proactively and not only reactively. And so, you know what? We've had seasons. We, we've only, we're only like four or five years old. I can't ever remember, 2017. How many years ago is that? Five, five years ago is when we moved here. Um, and we've had seasons in our very short life as a church where we've, we've gone through rough seasons where it has felt like division has existed. Um, and, and thankfully, by God's grace, that's not there anymore. And, and so we've had those seasons, but I believe that where we are right now is in a time of a deep desire to be unified in our mission as a people. Like, hey, we're just like, we just wanna pursue the Lord together. We wanna love our city well. And maybe some of you are like, well, not me. I got some problems I wanna take up with you, okay? That maybe, maybe that's where you are. I don't know. 
But I think where we are is in this time, and by God's grace, that's where we'll stay for a bit. But here's what I also know, and this is why we must speak proactively on it, because 1 Peter 5.8 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So we must be watchful. We must be sober-minded. We must look at God's word and say, hey, what is God's will for us as a people, as we live life as a redemptive community in the world? And we can't grow lackadaisical in this area. We must speak proactively towards this and let the word of Christ disciple our hearts and our minds. And so we must be diligent. And so we've spoken much over the last few weeks about what we might consider a healthy and vibrant church. We've drawn on themes and behaviors of the early church in the book of Acts. And so today we, like I've said, we begin to kind of turn our attention and the tone of this series. We kind of turn um, into some of the legitimate challenges in the life of the Christian community. And so what what are challenges? What are hurdles that we face as we try to seek to live life in community with one another? What happens when this redemptive community acknowledges and comes into contact with her brokenness? Because we are a broken people. What happens when this community that exists as God's light in the world realizes that she is deeply broken and divided? And so something important to acknowledge as we we address those things is that we are a deeply broken and sinful people. Yet Jesus always has and always will, this is his plan from the beginning, is going to use a broken and flawed, deeply sinful people to bring the world to himself. He's gonna look at us, as Deuteronomy says, not because we are more beautiful than all the other nations of the world, not because we're more noble than them, but because he has set his love on us. That's that's where the love of God comes from, within himself, not because we have anything good or noble within us. And so we have to acknowledge and we have to get that the Christian life is not the sinless life, it's the repentant life. The Christian life is not the sinless life, it's a repentant life. And so the Christian life and the Christian community is not, we have to get this, let's listen. The Christian life in the Christian community is not defined by the absence of sin, but by the presence of repentance. You get that? So we have to be a repentant people. It's like, well, I've already did that. I did that when I was 14 at church camp. No, the Lord, as we talked about through the month of June, I think it was June or July, calls us to be a repentant people, continually repenting of the sin that exists within us. Yes, we have been made holy, and yes, we have been justified by his grace through faith, but there is sin that dwells within us. But remember, the Christian community is not one that's marked by the absence of sin, but by the presence of repentance. And so we are a repentant people. And so us talking about this redemptive community has both vertical aspects, what we're gonna see today in 1 Corinthians 13, has both vertical aspects and horizontal. So God has reconciled us to himself, but guess what? He has also purchased reconciliation for us between people. And so we can be different. Remember last week we talked about our union with Christ is what we have in common. Our union, union with Christ is what we share. And so we, we may share different views on a lot of different things, but what we share is union with Jesus. And so we are redeemed this way and we are redeemed, we are redeemed this way. And so that's what we have to do. And so here's where we're not going today. Here's where, here's where we're not gonna go. 
we just don't have the time. And I don't have, I told John earlier, like, I just kind of feel like I'm in a funk this week. I don't know why. I went to a Texas Rangers game. And I thought like, maybe that'll do it. But nope, didn't do it. It made me more tired. Um, and so um, I just don't have the time and the energy today. Um, and, and, I, and I don't, like, like, I think maybe these are important conversations, but I don't think they're primary conversations. I don't have the time and energy today to bring up every political and social personal thing that divides us today. We just don't really have time to do that and we're not gonna get bogged down by that. Now, this is not your message about where you should land on every position. If you want, to, if you want that, if you wanna know where you should land on every position, just go see what your seventh grade study hall buddy is saying on Facebook, because he's a pro. Uh, just go see what he's saying, and then you'll know how you should think on what. And so we're not doing that today, but what I do want to address is just the overall attitude of our culture. You know, we talk a lot about like being influenced by cultural ideas and things like that. Can I just say that, that one of the subtle things that influences us in the culture is just like a spirit of division, like just an attitude of division, like just, just this like just like this general posture towards other people and other things that's just always skeptical and always cynical and always those things. Paul's gonna address that specifically today. So I wanna address that as well. And what we have to see is like, what's, what we are in danger of is not only cultural ideas that may lead us away from the real gospel, but also just this, this spirit of darkness, of division that we're just so easily influenced by, where we're questioning everything and everybody, and, and, we, and we don't give each other the benefit of the doubt on anything. And, and Paul's going to, to really talk about that. And so what, what, I, what, Paul, what Paul is saying today is that a lot can be said about your belief in the gospel about how you treat other people saying a lot can be said about what you believe about the gospel and the power that it has in your life by how you interact with the family, with your family, with the people of God. And so the way that we interact has gospel implications. We represent Jesus. We are the light of Jesus in this world. We are how the world sees Jesus. When the world is looking for, for what is Jesus like, what, what the gospels say is that they're looking at you. They're looking at us. And so it's in 1 Corinthians where we have a case study in a divided church. Um, and, and please remember what I've already said. This is, this is not a rebuke. This is not, this, is, this is not an admonishment anyway. In fact, I'm encouraging us. I'm saying, praise God, by his grace, we're not in this place. But we are gonna see in 1 Corinthians a case study in a divided church. And so in order to understand what's going on in 1 Corinthians 13, we've gotta kinda see where it starts in 1 Corinthians 1. We're not gonna walk through 1 Corinthians 1 in, in a, in a, at length, but this is what he says. This is kind of the foundation, and there's a lot more to it. Someday we'll preach a series through 1 Corinthians, and we'll get to it, I promise. But he says in, in 1 Corinthians 1.10 this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Hey, this is really hard. <laughs> that's really hard. And, and important to that is some of the context of what he's talking about. Now, he's not specifically talking about politics or social things. He's saying like, hey, there's some of you that say I follow Paul. There's some of you that say I follow Apollos. There's some that, that, follow, that say that I follow Jesus. Is Jesus divided? No. And so that's, that's specifically the unity that he is speaking of here. And we're not gonna try and make it about something that it's not. So Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 1 and through the next few chapters to be specific 
about what these divisions are all about. But at the same time, Paul spends the rest of the book, 1 Corinthians, he spends the rest of the book highlighting some of the consequences of these divisions. And it's really fascinating to see where these divisions kind of lead and where some of them are even birthed from later on or things that contribute or a result of this division. And so, man, you've got, you've got spirituality that's dividing people. Throughout, throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, you've got, you've got something is, is what seems as innocent as spirituality dividing people. And so that's why Paul's gonna say, hey, just get your eyes on Christ. You know, all, this, all these things that you think are spiritual or you think, are, so he says like the Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek power, but like Jesus has come and, and he's, he's thwarted all of those things and said, hey, the, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the gift of God. It is the power of God. And so sometimes spirituality, hey, immorality, sin affects everything. Immorality divides us. Spirituality can divide us, but so can immorality. Is there immorality among us? Is there immorality within our body? Guess what? That is divisive. That is something that divides the people of God. We're gonna see that Paul talks about superiority and favoritism among the people of God, even within the Lord's Supper. He's gonna say there's, there's things going on that are not united in, in their effort. Hey, there's, there's loyalties that Paul addresses. Are you ultimately loyal to Jesus? Is Jesus your ultimate loyalty? But ultimately, the prescription for division, as we will see, is not getting everybody on the same page about every single thing ideologically or intellectually or any of those things. It's the gospel. Like, are we, are we understanding what the gospel is? Now, hey, we know that there's important positions for us to take as people living in the public square, Right? hey, there are important positions for us to take. I, we're not gonna diminish that in any way. We're not gonna say, if you feel strongly about something, you are divisive. That's not what we're saying, okay? But we are just trying to look into what the text says, and this is, this is what it says. Let's, let's read this together again. And if you've never just slowly read through it, I think now is a good time for us to, 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 to read through it together and to let the Spirit just speak to our hearts about what, what he's saying here. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I believe that we have a little bit of a disadvantage when it comes to the word and understanding of love these days, right? Like, I love pizza. Um, I love talking about basketball with Chad and Caleb and Brent. Like, I just, I love talking about basketball and learning about basketball. I love my children, 
it's, it's a really modern and weird thing that we have done with this word because pretty much all other languages that you could, could go into use, have different words for explaining those three things. Like modern day, we're not just talking old school. Now Greek, we're definitely gonna talk about that in just a minute. But like modern day, like most languages in the world, if you're talking about the, the affection that you feel towards something, they have different words for the one word that we have for love, right? And so in the Bible, in, in the Greek language, the, the, the kind of love that is, most, that is most common is what? Anybody know? Pop quiz. Phileo is one of them, is, is a form of love. What is it? Agape. Agape love. There's, there's eros, which is an erotic type love. There's phileo, which is, a, which is a brotherly love that is good. But there's an agape love that, that most often, actually not most often, that always refers to a kind of love that is sacrificial, a kind of love that gives of oneself for the benefit of someone else. And so the disadvantage that we have as people in this century in the West is that we have one word to define our love for everything. And so it's a little bit difficult when we read this passage and, and we, we see these cute little phrases that you can go to Hobby Lobby and buy on a sign, right? Like, and so it gets a little bit confusing. And so we use love as like this blanket term when, as we've said, what is I think, what I think is, is, is wise and, and good and something we should look at is, is the, the, the standard of other, other cultures that have varying words for what this emotion is. And so it's important to understand, again, that this kind of love that is spoken of is a kind of this sacrificial love that we would pour ourselves out for the benefit of our brother. In regards to community, if we're talking about this redemptive community and we're talking about what it looks like to do life with one another throughout, throughout the week, not just on Sunday mornings, but living life in community, community cannot be understood apart from sacrifice. I believe, like, I believe that when we're talking biblically and we're talking about the gospel and we're talking about what God desires for us to live life with one another, which, hey, here's something I can confidently say. God did not create you to live in isolation. I don't care if you're an introvert. I don't care if you're an extrovert. I don't care if you hate people or you love people. It doesn't matter those things. God has not called you to live in isolation. God has called his people. If you are a, a, a child of God, you are to live life in the context of other people. I don't know what that, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna say what exactly that looks like. Does it look like being in someone's house on a Wednesday night? Maybe not. But does it look like living life in a way where you are known by other people? Yes, it, it, that's what that looks like. And so, so that kind of helps us with this concept that community, I believe, when you hear the word community from a biblical standpoint, a gospel standpoint, community is synonymous with sacrifice. Does that resound with anybody? Does that resonate with someone in here? That like, yeah, community is really hard. Like community is a hard thing for me to do. Community is a getting in, in real life with other people relationally is a really hard thing to do. And so it requires sacrificial love. It requires sacrifice within us to do what God has called us to do. And so 
from a, a surface meaning of just going, it, it, communion and sacrifice are synonymous from a surface meaning of simply going out of our way to welcome somebody to all the way something more serious or even laying something down for the sake of someone around us. Sacrifice and community are synonymous. And so what Paul is just saying here is, I think is that, and you can feel that. Again, this isn't the mushy-gushy wedding post, uh, wedding verse passage that, that Paul had in mind. This is life together. This is life in the trenches with other people who are hard to behave this way towards. And let me just tell, say this as well. Hey, we, we, are, we are grace alone, faith alone people. I, that's, just, that's, that's, that's what we are. But I'm going to say this is that God desires for us to obey him. He, he does. And so we're just going like to get that out there. Some, there's like, I have some friends that are like grace alone, faith alone people. And they're like, well, you know, do I really need to obey him because if it's just all by grace? No, we are grace alone, faith alone people. And we believe that God commands and expects us to be obedient to what he calls us to do. And so we don't, the, the gospel is not opposed to effort. The gospel is opposed to earning. We don't earn God's love. We don't do something to, to earn it or be saved. We are, but we do strive with a gospel emboldened effort to follow him and obey him. We do not earn anything, but we do strive to be faithful. So this is what he says, and we're just gonna walk through it. And then the, 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 the big part of, of this message is already over. I, I want us to just, read through this slowly, four through seven is really, is really the main thing that I want us to look at. Love is patient and love is kind. I really don't feel like I need to explain that very much this morning, but love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy, nor does it boast. Love is not envious or boastful. Love is not irritable, or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Can we just, can we just acknowledge that, that we are like, we're susceptible to that? I, I, have, I have failed in this area in my life that I have rejoiced at the wrongdoing of, of someone even that I'm in community with. That, that, that the wrongdoing of someone is, is something that I rejoice in. But hey, listen, like that's not what, what love is. But what it does do is it rejoices with the truth. It rejoices with what is right. Verse seven, love bears all things. Love believes all things. Things. Hey, one of, the, one of the ways that I have seen believes all things applied to today is it just, it gives, it gives people the benefit of the doubt. It's, 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 it's knee-jerk reaction is not to hear something about someone or something and, and believe the worst about that person. Can I just say this is really hard for me? This is, this is just a hard thing because I think this kind of comes up, especially in those of you who are competitive, right? Like you have a competitive nature. And, and so, man, you hear that like someone's struggling and you're like, yeah, yeah, this, this lets me go a little bit farther ahead. But what this is saying and what seems to be present in this church at Corinth is that there are, are people who are not believing all things. Now, you don't believe all things. Like four plus four is not nine, okay? Don't believe that. 
Like we don't, we don't believe all things. And so he can't be speaking on that, but he does, he rejoices in the truth is what he says before. He believes all things in that with his brother or with her sister or with his sister or her brother, what they do is they give the benefit of the doubt. They say, you know what? This, this kind of goes back up, ties back into love is patient. This, this, this goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago when, when I just asked you, aren't you so grateful that the Lord is patient with you? Like that the Lord is patient in your sanctification? That, that though that you probably weren't where you should have been at some point in your life, or though you may not be now where you, maybe you think you should be, that God is patient towards us? And that when we fail and that when we sin, God does not count that against us if we are a child of God, that all of the the wrath and the punishment that I deserve for falling short was poured out for Jesus on the cross. And so I believe that like believing all things about our brothers and sisters refers to us believing the gospel. (laughs) That that, yeah, I, I can be a boneheaded buffoon sometimes too. And I'm gonna believe what is best about this person that, that though we may not see eye to eye, what, what I do know is that God is impatient towards me and that I haven't always believed what is right. I haven't behaved in the right manner at all times. I haven't responded in the way, like, like sometimes you're just gonna interact with someone who, who, who reacts to you in a, just in an ungodly way, in a hurtful way. What, what believing all things means, that, hey, that doesn't mean that you can't take to that person and say, hey, I was hurt by what was said. But, but what believing all things is, is, is it's opposed to believing that that person is just no good. That person is just a, just a, a selfish, entitled person. And hey, maybe, that, maybe there's, there's like a shimmer of truth to that, but we're believing what is best about our brothers and our sisters. And then it goes on to say, it hopes all things. It endures all things. And then I want us to go back. I did this intentionally, kind of reversing this. I know we've already read this twice, but we're gonna read it again. We're gonna read one through um, one through three. This is what 13, one through three says, that if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that, if all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. What's interesting about this section is that really all of these things that Paul has just contrasted with not having love are all things that God has called us to do, right? I mean, earlier in, 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 in chapter 12, Paul says, desire, earnestly desire the gifts. He says like, hey, if, if, you are, if you are weak in an area, like desire these things, desire prophecy, desire the tongues, desire those things. He's saying these are good God-given desires that you should pursue passionately. And then in the very next breath, he says, oh yeah, and if you get there, if you've desired it and you get there and you don't have love, it's no good. He says, if I give away all that I have, hey, is there anything more Christ-like than generosity? Is there anything more Christ-like than, than being generous with our resources? 
hey, that's what, that's what Jesus has called us to do, to lay these things down, to, to be generous with, with our time and with our resources and with our, with our energy. And what Paul's saying, hey, I can give away everything. And if I don't have love, I've got nothing. And man, like, there's, there's here's what my hope is. I, I told some guys last night, I was talking to them about this, is that, is that the Lord would just, that we would read this passage and that the Spirit would just do work within us. Man, I don't have any like convicting, profound way to land this plane this morning. But what I want us to do is just to, to look at God's word and just say, hey, this is what God has called us to do. Are we pursuing it? Are we pursuing love for one another? Are we, are we laying down our rights within the community of faith? Are we saying, you know what, like this is inconvenient this is, this, is not, this is not the most convenient thing and this, this isn't even the group of people that I wish I was with and like all those things. Are you laying those things down and pursuing love for the, for the community that God has given you, for the, for the people that God has placed around you in your life? And so my prayer this morning and is, is just that the Spirit would help us see that. And, and by way of reminding us of the gospel, hey, everything that Paul has said here can I just tell you something that's gonna blow your mind? The love that Paul talks here is the kind of love that Christ has towards you. That's the, that's the most important thing that you need to walk away with this morning. It's not feeling shame or beat up over, over how you've reacted or how you've responded to somebody or felt towards somebody in the past. What, what it is is that this is the way that Jesus has felt towards us. Jesus' love has been patient and it has been kind. It has not been envious or boastful. It believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Even the cross is what the Bible would tell us. This is the kind of love that Jesus has towards you. And you are a beloved child of God. Can I just tell you that this morning? That like, this is the way that Jesus feels about you right now? If you're a child of God, Jesus feels this way about you. God, your Father in heaven, feels this way towards you. And that feeling's not gonna wane and it's not gonna go up or down in any way. This is the way that God feels towards you. And there should be nothing more motivating than that for us to pursue these things as imperfectly as we'll pursue them. That should be what motivates us to, to love others the way that he has called us to love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. And we thank you that you have um, sent your son Jesus to die. Lord, thank you that this, this, this list of, of things that love is all about, um, though it, it feels overwhelming and it feels crushing, it feels, it feels like, like something, Lord, that we are, fall short in so many times. Lord, thank you um, that, that the first place that we go is the gospel, that this is the way that you feel towards us, not because of what we've done, because of what Jesus has done for us. And so, Lord, we... We just confess to you, Lord, if, if repentance be necessary this morning in, in the lives of, of someone in here, Lord, would you just, would you, not because of what I have said, but by the work of your spirit, would you do something within us that would just humble ourselves and repent and say, Lord, I've not been obedient to you. Lord, if maybe there's someone in here, and, and maybe it's even myself at times, Lord, that, that reads this and, th and says, yeah, but... Like, yeah, but, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. Lord, would you, would you just rid that of us as well? Would you help us to repent of even that? 
And Lord, we thank you that when we confess our sins, that you are faithful and you are just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so Lord, it's that truth this morning that if we feel, if we feel burdened by the weight of guilt or shame, Lord, we, we don't have to live under that. We live under what you, through your son Jesus, has accomplished for us. So Lord, even now, as we come to the table, we come, we come empty-handed, we come broken, we come, we come without any righteousness of our own, and we open our hands empty and we leave this table with hands that are filled with a reminder of the grace that Jesus has poured out on us through his sacrifice for us. We love you and we pray these things in the name of Jesus, amen.